Hello and welcome everybody to the Last Journey podcast. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, someone who I really respect in the industry. Her name is Erin Taylor. You may know her as Monarch Lashko on Instagram. Hey Erin, how are you? Hi Tiffany, I'm so good. How are you? Good, doing great. Thank you so much for joining my show today. Of yeah. course. Thank you so much for having me. This is my first podcast ever, and I'm so, so excited and honored to be on yours. Yeah, I'm so honored you accepted the invite. Um, guys, what really stood out to me when I met Erin was um, just she has such a cool story about how she came up in the industry, and she is just one of those like she genuinely just has a brilliant mind and she's so sweet. We have vibed on so many different levels just about, you know, like what we strive to create in this industry. And that's like a happy life for ourselves. Like it's not just about the money. It's not just about, you know, scaling to like boast your accomplishments. It's about creating a life and business that actually aligns with your values and your happiness too. And so I'm so excited to hear for you to hear Aaron's story. Um, Aaron, why don't you, um, why don't you tell the audience about yourself and um, just your last journey in general, like how you came up in the industry to get to where you are today? Yeah. So before I was a lash artist um, in high school, I was always really interested in beauty stuff. Um, I really like patterns with my hands. I've always braided. Um, I've always crocheted. I really like small, intricate, patterned. Um, what what would you call that? Maybe like things to do with your hands. Yeah. I don't know what you what you would call that. Um. So in high school, that really manifested in braiding. Um. And I was always doing girls' hair for prom, and I was I had like my own Instagram for hair and for braids when I was like I don't know sixteen years old, and it was so fun. Um. But from there, I originally was either going to be in the um. I knew I wanted to be in the creative field somewhere. I thought that I wanted to be in the body modification world for a long time. Um, so I was looking into doing piercing and um, really getting more into, you know, going in that direction. Um, and then I thought I might want to go to hair, um, but hair didn't call to me. So I was like, okay. And at the moment I'm 18 years old and I'm just going to find like the job that's going to pay my bills. I went to college for two weeks and I went to maybe three classes in two weeks. And I was like, college is absolutely not for me. I cannot do the structured curriculum. Um, so college was not it for me. Um, and I went into caregiving and I absolutely fell in love with caregiving. Um, I was working with the mentally developed, mentally disabled community. Um, and it absolutely stole my heart right then and there. Um, I considered after a couple years of doing that, going back to college to study some sort of um, human design developmental um, major and psychology. I was really, really interested in going back into that field because um, it really captivated my heart and my soul and it was so fulfilling. Um, but for my gracious 19th birthday, 20th birthday, 19, it would, I would have been 19, 
I believe, my mom got me a birthday present that was lash extensions. And she paid for me to get a full set of lash extensions because um, I just wanted to try it. Like, I feel like that's how we all end up starting is we're like, we're just going to try it once, right? Um, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And this wonderful, wonderful lash artist that did my full set, I, poor girl, she, I like picked her brain the entire appointment. My eyes are probably going a million miles an hour. Um but I was asking her, you know, what kind of schooling did it require? What school did she go to? I was asking her the licensing questions, just all of the questions. Um, and I ended up, I think literally maybe a couple weeks later, I ended up enrolling in school um, at the same school, same program that she had told me about. Um, and I was licensed by the next year. And that would have been in 2017 that I was officially licensed and um, started lashing. So I've been in the industry now for a little minute. And um, from there, I started out as an independent lash artist. I rented my first studio that was like half a bed. <laughs> it was it was literally half a room cut in half. And I probably, no joke, had the size of a pop-up massage table. That was literally my entire half of the room. Yeah, me um, too. I did and- that too. <laughs> Yes. And so we just cut this room in half because I just needed a place to go. Um, That was originally in Dallas, Oregon. So that was where I originally grew up. Um, After about, I'd say nine or so months, a year, give or take, um, I ended up moving cities because Dallas is a really small town, if you aren't familiar with it. Um, And I felt like I wanted I had bigger goals and that small town just wasn't going to be able to support my goals um, in the way that I wanted to scale. Um, And so I had the majority of my clientele. I'm so thankful for them. They ended up following me to an entire new city that was like 20 minutes down the road. Um, And I ended up renting a new studio there and was independent there for three years. And then I ended up opening um, an entire studio, an entire creative studio. We built it um, from the ground up and we did all the things moving into it. And I have um, a bunch of beautiful renters now. And I'm just so grateful for this entire journey. So now Undefined Studios has been born and... um, we opened in December of 2021, so it's now been about a year and a half um, from the day of the podcast. Yeah, that is so amazing. And just to see, um, you know, I think a really good thing to pinpoint here is you did it all organically. It's not like you just jumped in, yeah. you know, it's not like you graduated school and you're like, okay, I'm going to open up a salon. It's like you figured yeah. out this part of it and then you followed your gut to be like, okay, I think this is the next step and this is the next step. How did you know that you wanted to um, create a bigger space than your current or your first studio or the second technically studio that you had? Yeah, it was always my goal before I ever got into the beauty industry. I really knew if I was going to end up in the beauty industry, I was going to end up as a salon owner. Um, That vision definitely changed and shifted and evolved as being in the industry happened. And I ended up finding myself and my branding. And of course, I was 20 years old when that vision was happening and maybe a few years earlier. So of course, with aging a little bit, I was able to um, evolve that vision more into more of a creative studio suites um, than a salon suites. Um, The salon atmosphere isn't what called to my heart, especially because I do have more of that body modification background. Um, And I just really wanted to create a space that was more um, all inclusive. And it was just celebrating all areas that were 
you know, a creative industry and personal services. So whether that included um, body modification, tattooing, um, photography, um, anything in the beauty industry. I mean, there was a number of, sorry, this thing was like catching me. Um, I just wanted to have a space that any and all can come and just do their art um, rather than having the traditional salon style environment. Um, so of course that vision evolved. Like I was saying, I think that I knew that I wanted to start, um, getting into that area when I wanted, I have, I wanted a, I had a heart for, um, serving others in a bigger way. And I could recognize that a lot of the salon environments wasn't what called to me as an artist, especially in the industry. I didn't, um, like the traditional, um, stereotypes that came with that environment. Um, and it didn't call to me as an artist. So I really wanted to create a space that if it didn't call to me, then maybe other artists were searching for what I needed as an artist too. And so I felt like I wanted to create a space that, you know, all artists could come and feel welcome. And it was a more of a community style. Yeah. I love that. But I, 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 also think that that came, sorry, I interrupted you. I feel like that came to with educating and that evolved after becoming an educator. Um, because like you said, you know, starting organically in, this is all organic. My entire story really was, um, it didn't, I didn't just jump into one end of it, you know, so it ended up growing over time and it continues to evolve. Um, but educating, I started educating in 2019. So before years before I even considered opening a studio, I was training and I recognized and had a more intimate, um, dialogue with artists in my area, especially of what they were struggling with as, um, an artist in their studio. I was doing private mentoring sessions and they, a lot of them were struggling with their salon environment or um, a number of things just went their environment as a lash artist, whether it be, you know, ha- not having control of their AC and temperature. We know that's so important as lash artists um, or whether it, you know, be environmental energies or um, whatever, whatever the situation may be. So I just, after years of educating, I really um, felt like I had a good, vision and laundry list of things that could be better in an environment that I was looking for the same things when I was an independent lash artist too. So I think that that kind of naturally evolved. Yeah. And I think that it's really cool to point out not everybody is going to, you know, want to have employees too, because that is a whole like other can of worms in itself. It's like you, I view you as just this, you know, free spirit kind of like moving as you please to whatever makes you happy. And to be able to do that for other people too, um, is really cool. And, you know, as we preach when it comes to marketing, like I I feel like you're such a strong marketer of your brand and stuff like that. It's like, you know that in order to set yourself apart, you need to just stay true to yourself. And by putting that energy out there into the universe, you're going to attract the same people that like vibe on that same wavelength. So, you know, putting it out there like, hey, this is a free space for you guys to all come and, you know, do as you please within reason. Obviously, everything kind of, you know, everybody has to vibe together. But um, I just think it's really cool to create a space like that. How do you um, how do you typically vet the people who are coming to you? Like, how do you know, you know, who to have in your space? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, 
if I don't already know them, I would prefer to know them um, prior. I would prefer to have some sort of um, understanding of their business and, you know, how they run things as is. I want to see their artistry because I think that um, there's a level to the studio that obviously I want to make sure that the quality of services that are being put out in the studio are maintained, even if they are, uh, even if it's a rental studio, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, the the experience and the client experience, the standard of quality of products and services that are going out really do end up um, falling back on the studio. So I wanted to first make sure that the quality of service and experience of um, the artists that I do invite into my space is um, high quality services, right? Uh at the same time, I want to make sure that their energies align, like what you were saying. I really want to make sure that they're going to vibe with the values of the studio and they understand the values of my vision and the vision of the studio and what I'm wanting to do with Undefined Studios and um, really find people that align with that vision more more than anything um i think that naturally that creates camaraderie um because everybody kind of has the same the same mindset and the same vision the same goals i also think that what you were saying with the employment versus um you know, having a rental studio, it's, it's two different, it's very, it's very different ways of doing business, but they're both, they both come with their pros and cons, right? So um, one of the things with having renters, I really, um, hold on, I just lost my train of thought. Um, Oh, one thing with one of one of the things with having renters that is really important to me is that everybody is doing their own business within the same building. We're all under the same roof, but with having renters, I'm not their employer and I'm not their boss. So I need people that are very, you know, ambitious. They're very goal-driven. They can, um, they're very punctual. They can maintain their own schedules. They can book themselves their own clients. They're marketing themselves themselves, you know, because at the end of the day, their business, they're responsible for their business's success, even if we are under the same roof. So um, I just really... I really lay out what the difference between renters, what a, what a rental contract and agreement is versus a um, employment rent contract and agreement would be, right? So um, I really look for that kind of personality and those go-getters um, as well as, you know, having people in the space that um, – overall are going to bring a very high energy and a really, they're going to add to the space. They're going to add energy. They're going to add um, camaraderie. And yeah, I, I think that that's kind of how I vet people more. It's really, it's really more of an intuitive thing. I always set up meetings with people. If I don't know them first, like I said, I would prefer to know them first and kind of know their journey. Um, but if I don't, then I'll set up a meeting with them and I'll really kind of feel it out. Sometimes I'll set up two or three meetings with them before I invite them into the space. Um, but I think that it's it's important to kind of energetically break down those walls um, and kind of be able to see people um, for who they are aside from the honeymoon phase and really get to know that person and if their values are going to align with the space. 
Yeah. And one thing that really sticks out to me about you two and when I started learning about your story was it hasn't always been easy for you. Your journey to get to where you are today Mm -hmm. was a really tough one. You know, you had this big vision and I feel like you just kind of kept getting hit with all of these, um, you know, like just blindsided by all of these things. And I want to know a little bit about that and how you really got over those hurdles. Yeah. So with any sort of, um, I mean, like I said, we built out the studio from scratch. Like when I signed the lease to the studio, um, there was nothing but a concrete slab foundation on the ground. And like, I think there was probably like three, uh, studs like that were of just like wood four by fours that were standing on top of this four on top of this foundation. So, um, there was truly not a building. There was nothing that I had to go off of. I didn't know how things were going to play out. And it was a really huge risk that I did take. Um, but it was literally every single thing on my manifestation list. I had been looking for, um, over a year, uh, for rental suites and commercial spaces that I could end up renting and creating this vision with and it I, none of them aligned and so when I saw the architectural mock-up of this studio um, even if it was just a drawing at that point and it was just a rough draft it was nothing in real life I was like I have this gut feeling that I just need to take this leap so I ended up signing this lease and um, the building process was in process for Oh, gracious. About initially, we intended the building to be done and built by September of 2021. Um, And that was when we were going to have our occupancy permits and we were going to be able to essentially, you know, open for open our doors for business in September of 2021. um, That did not end up happening construction and permits. And, um, you know, at that point in 2021, there was a huge shortage after the 2020 shutdown of um, wood and construction products and everything with, um, you know, the shortages of those products, all of the inflation was happening so much for all the products. So um, shipping times were also really far behind. So that timing um, mixed with just construction and permitting and city zoning and all of that in general, it, it definitely takes a lot longer than what you intend for a building to be built. Um, so I was kind of in limbo with my previous lease um, because I had let my owner know and I he is just the most wonderful human being and I respect him so much, but I did let him know like, hey, I'm going to be leaving, but like, I don't know when. <laughs> and like, are you okay with me kind of like tentatively letting you know whenever I can move in? Cause like we're in the building process. And um, so I had that, that, that cushion to be able to stay where I was at. And I was very happy where I was. So I was very thankful for his graciousness in that. Um, I think too, after we move into a brand new building, there's always things that can be hiccups and I was very blessed to have the studio completely rented out before we even had four walls on it. Um, I had people that were waiting to rent from me um, before we moved in. And as soon as I announced that I was opening a studio, I had a lot of people wanting to rent from me. So I was also so blown away by the support that I had of the vision. Even though I had no photos, I had no, um, like, I had nothing of the space to show them. They were like, I'm just ready to rent. Like, let me know. This is the square footage of the space and this is all that I need. And um, I had signed contracts. So that was also a stressful thing too, because I had people 
signed that they were waiting on their previous leases to then move into this space. So there was a bit of a timing game that happened with that. Um, that was that was kind of stressful for sure, especially around the holidays. Um, we ended up getting our keys on December 11th. So right after uh, Black Friday, right after Thanksgiving and right before Christmas. Um, so we opened our doors December 11th and um, everybody could move in and we could open uh, for business. And when we did move in, of course, it was a brand new building. So brand new bills always, they're not, um, they're not warmed up spaces yet. So you have electrical companies, you have um, city ta- or uh, city tax, state tax, property tax. You have all of these things that have not been established yet with a building that if you're renting a previously inhabited, um, you know, commercial building that's already been that was built 25 years ago, they're going to have years and years of established triple nets. They're going to have years and years of established, um, you know, electricity bills that you can kind of for you can kind of predict a little bit better about those types of buildings. Um, I had none of that to go on. I had no previous understanding of what this building I, I, I was, I truly was the most stressed out that I had ever been in my entire life because I had no idea what my overhead was going to be. I had a rough idea, but, um, it, it had a lot of wiggle room with a lot of different things that were out of everybody's control. So um, that was that was definitely very stressful, stepping into an entire new building, um, legal fees and getting contracts. And so I had a lawyer looking over everything for me. I had a lawyer. I still have a lawyer, of course. Um, she was writing all my LOIs. She was doing all of my um, tenancy agreements. She was writing everything for me. So there's a lot of hidden fees that I think a lot of people don't consider when opening a new space. Um, You know, even the fact of like just toilet paper and paper towels or the smallest things that you end up uh, adding up uh, along with legal fees, because you shouldn't leave any of that out. Of course, you should always be legally um protected and not try to do things and sign things yourself so um there was a lot of things that ended up being new experiences for me that really did catch me off guard at first um I expected it I expected a lot of it and I was doing the most of it that I possibly could um the best that I could but of course unforeseen things that are out of your control you can only control so much so that was the difference, I think, between me opening the studio and building the studio um, versus somebody moving into an already established, previously rented um, building before. That's actually a really good point because I didn't even think about that when you first started talking about it. But, you know, the the triple net, the tax and everything, that stuff can add up and be so much more expensive. And when you've already determine like the contracts for your renters and stuff like typically what you want to do is if you're moving or wanting to move into a model like this is you take all of that figure out how much it's going to cost you per month and make sure that your you know your renters are paying enough to cover that plus a cushion because we want to make sure that we're profitable off of these kind of things so I didn't even think of that off the top of my head until you said it but wow I could see that being very stressful indeed Yeah. And that like my numbers originally, um, they were like what you said, like I did all of the exercises. I did all of my budgeting. I 
literally at this point for probably about six months of this year was about was my number one screen time app was my calculator. I had <laughs> everything down. I had my spreadsheets done. I knew I knew what I was doing and I knew that it was going to be profitable. I knew that I could make this space um, everything that I needed it to be, right? The unforeseens definitely cut into that a lot more than I anticipated. You can't control your property tax. That's something that is not established until after the building has been built. A city assessor then comes out and assesses the building, the assets, everything about it on the property that it sits. And then they can tell you what it's going to cost. And that gets built into your triple nets. Um, you know, same thing with electricity. We have 40 foot ceilings in our in our studio and elect- heat rises. We know this, right? So electricity is unforeseen and you have literally nothing to go off of. So it's all it's all unpredictable until you're you're in there. But you can only plan so much when you are in a when you're taking the leap to not only not only uh, open a renting rent rental suites or a salon. If you have employees, you can only budget so much. There's always going to be unforeseen stuff. So I always recommend if you are stepping into that responsibility to, especially if you're planning to build plan for double the budget than you ever would have at the beginning. If your numbers are saying X amount, double that and plan for that highest number. If anything, you'll have leftover, but until you have that highest amount, don't even step into that, um, into that building process because everything always ends up being a lot more than you anticipate it to be. Yeah. I'm living through that now, even with my little studio refreshes that I'm doing, it's like double what I set aside for the budget and it's killing me. I know it's going to be worth it. Yeah. But um, Mm -hmm. also, did you have to handle all of the electric and HVAC cost yourself since it was a new building like you know people don't think about this but I know just from the different studios I've renovated um, you know if you have electricity and HVAC and you're having to build it out you know build it out to different rooms that costs a lot of money so mm-hmm. um, sometimes mm-hmm. the people that own the building will give you a little bit of you know like a money towards that but I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize how expensive that can be too did you experience that as yeah. well um, so the HVAC was already, um, a part of the contractor's plan. So I didn't mess with the HVAC necessarily. What I did do, however, is I changed the original architecture because I wanted to build out the suite myself. So my TI, um, I ended up covering a lot of it myself because I was changing the architectural plans. So I ended up adding rooms and walls. Um, and when I was adding rooms and walls and I was moving things around, naturally the HVAC system and the piping um, was going to need to shift and change. So we ended up having exposed duct work, exposed duct work um, that originally was planned to be inside of walls that you wouldn't see. I love how it ended up turning out because I wanted that industrial feel, but a lot of people don't consider that in construction as well with like, when you are moving and changing walls and you're changing structures, other things are going to have to give other things are going to have to move that are the infrastructure of within the walls. Um, so So yeah, I mean, I didn't end up covering the cost myself for putting the HVAC system and um, 
you know, distributing the HVAC system. I wasn't, I wasn't modifying the HVAC system and the air distribution. Um, I was just adding other architectural um, things that the HVAC system ended up being built into and moved around and uh, modified aesthetically. Nice, nice, nice. Um, So how have you managed to evolve over time, like throughout the course of your journey? And how do you know when it's time to pivot? Can you repeat that again? Yeah, of course. Um, So you've made a lot of changes like through your course, you know, you're like, okay, I started here and now I'm making this decision and, you know, maybe I'm feeling a change needed here. Boom. Now you're going through some other changes as well. Like how do you know when it's time to Mm. evolve and pivot from your current business model? I think, well, I I mean, in my experience, I can only speak from my experience here, but for me, there's a number of things that end up really catapulting me into the next venture, whether I'm expanding, whether I'm shifting gears, whether I'm completely, you know, backtracking and dissolving something that once I absolutely loved and wanted to do. And then I'm shifting and going in a completely different direction. Um, Sometimes it's simply just losing passion for something, something. Sometimes it's the fact that it's no longer lighting your soul on fire and you're no longer in love with what you're doing. To me, that tells me there's either that's either time for a refresh or a redirection Um, as well as when you gain a passion in another area. To me, there's a lot of intuitive um, intuition based things when it comes to evolving and naturally when you gain your confidence and things become more second nature, like as a lash artist, for example, if you've been a lash artist for years and years and years and years, you have the same daily routine. It can sometimes feel stale to you after a while and not, or not. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else's experience. Some people want to stay being doing a lash, being a lash artist forever and doing lashes forever. And that's beautiful because they still love that. Um, for me, I find a lot of intuitive um, guidance when I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I have so much to give in this other area. Like I want to teach this or I'm not, I'm struggling with this. So I know that somebody else is struggling there too. And I feel like I want to help them through, they shouldn't have to struggle in the same way that I struggled. Right. And that was the original reason that I ended up starting educating was because there was a lot of things that I was struggling with that I wasn't seeing anybody talk about in the in the industry, excuse me, I just choked <laughs> on my spit. <laughs> um, but that was the entire reason that I originally started educating was because I, you know, I was struggling with things that nobody else was talking about. I wasn't seeing it on Instagram. I wasn't seeing tip, tips and tricks. I was experiencing things that I was truly going in blind about and I found my way through it. But it to me, it didn't make sense for other lash artists to struggle in the same way that I did if I had the knowledge to be able to give um, to help them avoid that. Right. So I went into educating, um, for that reason. And once I started educating, I was like, this is where my heart is truly, this is where my heart has truly guided me. You know, like I, I want to help in a, in a much bigger way, as big as I can to as many lash artists as I possibly can. Um, and so I started doing private mentoring sessions and, um, I started there and it just, it gradually grew. And then, you know, it grew into being really open-handed with my education online and my Instagram really blew up and it was truly changing careers just with the small tips and tricks that I was um, handing out for free on my social media. 
Um, and I was getting messages every single day or comments on my posts that were like, this truly changed my career or like, I follow you because everything that you're putting out, I've never even learned this in my lash class or any lash class that I've ever taken. Um, and it's truly just like the most important and magical thing. Like you're truly like changing my life by posting the free tips and tricks that you're posting. Um, so those continued to build my passion and momentum because I knew that what I was doing was making a difference and I was helping people, whether I knew them or not, whether they chose to message me or not, I knew that it was helping other people. Um, so from there I ended up, you know, finding more, um, solutions for things. Like I was seeing a need here. So I was finding a solution for that. I was finding a solution for that, like online education. So many people were messaging me, you know, wanting to take my classes, but they were across the entire world and there's no way that they could come international to take my courses. And I was like, okay, my solution to that, of course, is to be able to help them in a larger way. And I wanted them to have access to these courses and the education that they were wanting to learn. So I ended up, you know, creating online courses and that then lit my soul on fire. So my education ended up evolving from in-person um, education, which I still do, of course, but it ended up evolving into online curriculums and being able to reach globally people across the entire world that I would never have normally been able to um, reach. And so I kept finding a need. And then my soul was lit on fire for the solution for that. And I knew that it was going to create a larger impact um, and just be able to help more people. So I think that a lot of it, like pivoting and evolving comes from intuition and it comes organically. Um, and if you find yourself feeling stale in anything that you're doing, you know, you might want to uh, reconsider what you're doing and find something that is going to light your soul on fire and keep that fire burning. Um, Cause to me, I'm just the person that I get bored really easily and I end up wanting to do more and I want to help more and I want to help in a bigger way as much as I can. So um, I end up naturally pivoting and moving really quickly and that's just what keeps my soul on fire. And I feel like the more, the more on fire and joyful you are in your work, the more it positively impacts other people, the bigger of an impact it's going to have for anybody else, the more it's going to help people. If you love lashing, the, when you love your job so much, the better experience you're going to be able to give your clients and the more you're able to um, offer to anybody else around you, right? So um, it's really important that you're really mindful of where your heart sits because you're not, you're never going to be able to impact people and help people in in a larger way, unless you are truly happy and joyful about it. Yeah. I think there's so many people on the internet who are just like obsessed with, you know, like, how can I make six figures? How can I do this? And they mm -hmm. try to move in different directions just because of the money. And then they end up fizzling out because if it doesn't light your soul on fire, you're not going to go anywhere with it, you know? So yep. I think- Absolutely. I think by putting your passions first, like you'll figure out a way to monetize that and you'll figure out a way to, you know, make ends meet and grow on that level. But like you have to show up happy every day. And if you're not feeling happy, mm -hmm. move on. Find something that does make you happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really believe in like, um, you know, if you take a money course or if you listen to like money gurus, they always talk about your profit centers in your business, but I really believe in the passion centers and the profit centers. Like there is two, and I, there is, there can be a synchro, there can be a, um, oh Lord, a, a, 
overlap mutuality between the two of those you know and i really believe that you know if you're wanting to create that six figures which is not a bad thing that's not a bad goal to have money goals in your business but it really comes from being able to marry your passion center and your profit center in your business and being able to um scale that rather than one or the other yeah I love that. Wise words. Okay. So to wrap it up, what has been the best lesson you have learned so far in your career and how do you feel that can help others on their own path? Mm. So best lesson, Gosh, I, all the lessons. <laughs> yeah. I really feel like the lash industry by itself and the you know being a business owner, I have, I feel like an entire new human being with all of these, like, I feel like it has taught me so many life lessons. Um, just in general, like every bit of life is also integrated within business and within the lash industry. If you find the, if you find the parallels, um, so that's a really hard question, but I think that one of my biggest two, I have two, um, one of my biggest lessons that I've learned is how to be adaptable and to move with intention and being able to have, um, control of your emotions in a way that you can be, um, optimistic and solution oriented rather than, you know, immediate, there's a problem that arises and you immediately crumble. I feel like a true leader and a true business owner, when a problem arises, they immediately start thinking of solutions. They're very solution oriented. They're very optimistic and they very much trust that it will work out because it has to, it will always work out. So, um, Along with that, I think that um, I've also learned that it's incredibly important to look within and to be able to have the confidence within yourself. Because at the end of the day, if you are not well and you have to maintain yourself throughout the evolutions, throughout the vigor that your businesses get, throughout you know your your profit margins growing, there's a lot to say about how money can change people and. It can. It, I don't believe that money changes people. I believe that it just brings out whatever is truly inside. So doing the inner work and really focusing on your energy and really focusing on what you can do um, inside to continue supporting that evolve within yourself um, and your mental health and staying on top of your your own health, your own your own care. You know, is super super important because it ends up. Um, crumbling the rest of the pyramid if you're the top of the pyramid and you can't keep yourself together you know so I really have found both of those to be really important for me and my journey cool that's so awesome thank you for being such a positive light in our industry I'm so glad our paths crossed how can the listeners find you if they are looking for you Mm -hmm. yeah you can find me on instagram at monarch lash co um, you can find my website. It's monarchlashco.com. Um, threads, of course, that's Instagram. Uh, TikTok at monarchlashco. Everything's at monarchlashco. So <laughs> any any of the platforms, you can find me at monarchlashco. Um, I also have my online courses that are super amazing. And that is on um, my Instagram too. You can find that on my website as well. So um I don't know the URL off the top of my head, but it's Monarch Lashco University um, on Teachable. So you can find that there too. Yep. And we will link all of that to the show notes too. Thank you so much, Erin. I cannot wait to meet you in person at LashCon. So if you guys- Oh my gosh, Tiffany, I cannot wait to hug you. I know. I'm so excited. So guys, don't forget- 
There is the opening night white party, October 13th. So if you're flying into LashCon, make sure you're getting there early. Make sure you're coming to um, my party that I'm co-hosting with Gretchen from my brand. Um, I'm sure Aaron will be there too. So come have fun mm-hmm. and um, we'll see you then. Okay. Thank you so much for having me, Tiffany. You're so wonderful. You're such a light in this industry yourself and you are doing all of the big things. I am so proud of you. And I'm so, so thankful that our paths crossed. You are truly amazing. And everybody listening to this podcast should definitely be taking notes on every one of your episodes because you really are dropping gems and you really know what you're talking about, Tiffany. And I'm so, so honored that you invited me to be a part of this podcast. Oh, thank you. No, seriously, from the bottom of my heart. Okay, Erin, I will see you soon, guys. Make sure you check her out. Um, You know, I know she's talking about her online courses. Her retention course is chef's kiss, but she has so much knowledge. And like, you can just tell when you're, you know, when you're watching her modules and just listening to her talk about her artistry, it's just, it's so inspiring. So thank you again. And listeners, we will see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye guys.